Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. And we are at the beginning of season four. Holy shit. Ba-ba-da-ba. Which means we're coming up on our hundredth episode. And I'm going to have to keep an eye out for when that pops up. I know it's not here yet, but because uh, it's okay. Season three had 40 episodes. Season two had 40 episodes. I think season one had something like 11. So we're, we're rounding up to that 100th episode. We're going to have to do something real special for that, I think. Most and, momentous. Uh, most momentous occasion, my dudes. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. But uh, here we are again, burrowing our way into your ear holes where it's nice and warm and cozy. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. That's gross. I like it in here. Jim, how you doing, man? You know, I'm good. Uh, the less said about that, the better. I mean, things things are going well. Um, I don't mean to keep talking about uh, you know getting over being sick, but that's that's something that's happening. Um, band stuff is happening. It's all just you know. It's this is the worst month of the year. Um, typically, it's the longest where I am. It's the coldest. Yeah, it is the, the one where you know the seasonal yeah. affective disorder just kind of kicks my ass pretty hard. So I'm looking forward to uh, kind of being out of January. Um, I really kind of January is really the, the pivot point of winter. If I can survive January uh, with all the cold and the snow and just the uh, the, the lack of sunlight, then February is a pretty short month. My birthday's right smack dab in the middle of it, and then March, regardless of what the temperature of the calendar says, uh, it's spring. Um, so uh, usually my mental state tends to uh, skyrocket. It, it improves pretty dramatically as soon as the days start getting longer and the weather starts getting warmer, and we're kind of coming back out of the uh, the, the nasty cold deep freeze state section of the uh, of the calendar so i'm looking forward to that that's right we and winter can pretty much fuck you. off in january is we were talking about you being born on uh, on february 14th dr love, they call me dr. love. yeah yeah that's my birthday uh and that's right it's, around it's in many ways debut. informed my life yeah we're gonna debut the first episode of season four on the 18th so maybe that'll be like Hey-o. a great birthday present for you there that will be nice so well, uh, then, well, then, happy pre-birthday, post-birthday, whatever the hell this ends up being. So, appreciate it. Uh, recording before, releasing after. I don't know how you celebrate that. That's just weird. But, uh, however, uh, we are awesome to be back in your ear holes again. And Jim, I'm glad that uh, you're getting over your sickness. Uh, I've got this really cool thing. Uh, I, I came across. Uh, I go to this. Uh, and this is going to dovetail eventually into the conversation we're going to have at the beginning here. But uh, I go to this toy box collectibles shop in town. It's owned by my friend Ryan. Uh, I don't even go in there with a buying agenda most times. I just go in there. I go in to talk to him or and his wife and, and just hang out. And I'll, Most of the time I find something I want to buy and, and end up spending money that I shouldn't be spending. But uh, uh, I came across... Uh, I've been I've been trying to collect lightsabers for a lightsaber display for a while. I've had the the Darth Vader lightsaber for a while. I bought it from him like several years ago, and then uh, when I was in there the last time, he had uh, Emperor Palpatine, Darth Sidious's lightsaber. Which is anyone who's seen Episode Three, it's this really ornate and fancy looking silver and chrome and and brass and gold and. It's really fancy looking, really nice for an evil Sith Lord, you know. And uh, it was in box and it looked pretty great. And 
it ended up being like half the price that it normally is and so it's like yeah I snapped it up whatever and I brought it home and I've got it prominently displayed on my desk uh, sometimes with the blade on so I can just flip a switch and make it go and, and make the noise and all that and and then uh, we, me and Danny, my wife, we went to a GameStop uh, as of recording about a week ago with no real agenda. We're just kind of bopping around running errands and everything. And I wanted to look because, I, like I said, I've been I've been working on collecting handheld games and uh, handheld systems and trying to see what they had in stock, which was nothing, of course. Um, but they had uh, the Kylo Ren lightsaber, the the, the Black Series lightsabers. Uh, with the removable blades, which for me is key. It's got to have the removable blade because I want to display it. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, ooh, that's next on my list. And she goes, you want it? I'm like, well, yeah, I want it. She's like, I'll buy it for you. I'm like, why? Because I'm not used to just random acts of... I mean, I should be used to random acts of kindness from her. But it, it yeah. caught me by surprise, and she's like, "You want it? I'll buy it." Well, she married you. Drum yeah. roll, please. That was the biggest act of kindness. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she bought me this uh, uh, just spur of the moment, uh, out of a love in her heart for me, I guess. Uh, this Kylo Ren lightsaber, which is Aww. really badass. Well, good for you. I mean, you can't say much nice about the uh, the prequel series or the sequel series, but uh, he did have a really interesting and dynamic looking lightsaber, which I really approve of. So facts and it makes the noises and i just discovered this morning as we were talking that it makes a different sound if you point it up versus whether you point it down like if you point it up all three blades illuminate at the same time and it just goes and, and lights up and whereas if you uh light it face down or pointing down it's it does it in sequence it goes main blade and then side blades so it's it's a different ignition sequence and it's funny. I make different noises whether or not you uh, turn me on from upside down, too. <laughs> Boy, do I not need to uh, delve into that one. Eh, nasty! But so, yeah, that was really neat. And, and, and so now I've got uh, Edward Palpatine's lightsaber on one side of my desk. I've got uh, Kylo Ren's on the other. And if I can find uh, one of these stands that works well, I'm going to get a stand for the Obi-Wan and for the... Uh, a Darth Vader lightsaber and just have a whole display going. It's really neat and uh, I really uh, enjoy it. So the glorious, really gratuitous nerdery of it all. I'm I'm a fan. My desk is literally covered with the things that make me happy and and that just I'm beside myself with having this. Even if it's just this little space right now, just having this and uh, you know having my my feel your fandom sign that I've got hanging above the desk that my wife got me for. I want to say that was a Father's Day gift. And uh, she surprised me with that, and it's made of metal, and it's powder-coated and all that, so I was able to magnetize a lot of my Star Trek pins to it, which is really neat. And then, you know, I've got my shadow box of Star Trek pins that are pins, and one of my New Wave Toys arcade cabinets. Shout-out to Shiloh Prychek and New Wave Toys. Hey! I always keep the latest and greatest on my desk at all times, and it's just these days. comfy space for me, which is nice. 
we were just talking about this before off the air, but we, one of these days I'm going to make it out to uh, to where you are, and we're going to do ourselves a nice live episode with the uh, the backdrop of all of your your glorious gratuitous nerdery. Oh yeah, uh, as as our uh, as our, our our pseudo green screen back there. So <laughs> one of these days, one of these days when the world gets back to normal, whatever normal winds up looking like, and uh, travel becomes a thing again that people are able to do, um, then yeah, we're going to have to we're going to have to get that on and, and get some pictures. And my wife, uh, again, proving that she's, like, the most amazing person, uh, she pre-ordered for me, uh, as part of my Christmas uh, thing, uh, the uh, plates for the PlayStation 5, the the, the panels that come off and, and yeah. reattach. And uh, so for Christmas, she bought me the red uh, PlayStation 5 controller, which is really neat. Red's my favorite color. Um, I love it. And then also, she pre-ordered these plates that came, as of recording, they came yesterday. And so, like, hot off the presses, this is the first time they're available officially from PlayStation itself. Of course, you know, you got the D-brand plates and all that stuff, but these ones are official. And, and boy, howdy, does my PlayStation look fucking awesome right now. PlayStation. It is great. And so, yeah, I'm just surrounded by my nerdery, and I love it. I'm in a good place mentally. I'm really trying hard to be upbeat and positive and all that shit. So, um, but yeah. So uh, I, I I told you that 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 whole weird conversation was going to dovetail into uh, kind of what I wanted to talk about today. And I know. Let me just state right out that I know we beat this like a dead fucking horse. We've talked about it multiple times. And I'll tell you what, we're going to keep talking about it until we're blue in the face because apparently we need to touch on this occasionally because it still happens. It's still rampant. It keeps still... coming back like a bad fucking penny. Yes. And of course what I'm talking about is toxic fandom. And now here's kind of where I came into this conversation. Now I was telling Jim off camera, when I went to buy uh, the Emperor Palpatine lightsaber, I didn't go to buy it. Again, like I said, I just go to the toy box to... Chew the fat with my buddy Ryan and, and, and occasionally his lovely wife Mel. Hey! When they're there together. And I just, I go in there, I'm surrounded by the things of my childhood. I, I, I it's, it's, it's a very homey feeling. I've been going in there for well over uh, 11 years and, and I love it. I love this place. And uh, when I went in there this last time uh, and we're just chaw jawing and he has this guy that comes in occasionally that I guess is kind of quasi bigoted, quasi racist. I don't know how you want to say it, but uh, he pops off with this joke about uh, how they're uh, changing like comic books and comic movies, and how how we've talked about this uh, representation. How representation is so very important, and how representation matters. Everybody needs to be seen. Everybody needs to feel. Like they're a part of their community. We've talked about how very, very important that is. But he starts piping off with, oh, uh, they're just going to change another character to make them, you know, the F word or homosexual and not in those uh. nice terms. And chuckles it off like he's trying to play it off for a joke and a laugh. And uh, usually, I used to hate confrontation. I was not good at it. I would kind of shy away from it. And I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't make the jokes anymore. That's not me, but I wouldn't say anything because I didn't want to confront. I didn't want to be combative. 
But we've all had it driven home to us in the intervening years since a lot of this stuff started really being outed as unacceptable that our silence is passive agreement. Yes. And it, if people aren't challenged on this shit, then they're, it, it, they think when they pull that sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I'm just saying out loud what we all think thing, if we allow them to think that, it allows them to be comfortable in their bigotry. Uh, whereas if we do actually do the thing that, that is uncomfortable for us, it's more uncomfortable for them. We're not the ones in the wrong. Right. So if, if, we, if we don't shut up, if we don't roll over and just let people say this horrible, toxic, bigoted, evil shit in public and actually call them on it in real time when it happens, then that does tend to have an effect overall. It's gradual. It's, infinite. it's, it's, it's one of those things that, that is sort of like a uh, be the change you want to see in the world. It might be a small... Right course correction but but man we, we, the more we call people out on their bullshit in public whether that's or even in private if it's like around the table at thanksgiving or if it's like that one shitty uncle or whatever it is the more that we make these people uncomfortable let them know hey you know what that shit isn't cool anymore and actually it never was never was yeah then that's how we really change this shit agreed and that's kind of the, the course and the tack that i decided to take and, and like i said i usually disagree with uh or, or not disagree i usually have this real problem with being combative and, 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 and confrontive and and I think doing this podcast with you and being able to flex uh, my distaste and dislike of, of this kind of statement, this yeah. locker room humor, if you will, which has been so prevalent in uh, all facets of our media, culture, and country, uh, and of course more recently brought to light by certain political candidates we won't talk about. Nope. But uh, so I, I, he looked over and kind of did like he said, yeah, the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, kind of <laughs> see what I said there. It's pretty funny, right? And I this said, this is what we all think. I know. Yeah. I looked at him and I'm like, I don't give a shit about what Ryan thinks about this. I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks about this in the store. I told him to his face, I said, no, that's disgusting. What you just said was so fucking wrong. And I'll tell you why. And and he's talking about... Uh, like, well, we talked about this off camera, too. We talked about uh, people's reticence to accept Lady Thor. Or or just right. Thor. You know, I don't, I don't want to call it Lady Thor. Jane Foster, for a very long time, was Thor in the comic books. People had a real yeah. hard time accepting this. And in particular, he was talking about Captain Marvel as a character. Carol Danvers. Uh, now, Carol Danvers is not the only Captain Marvel. Of course, there was Marvell. Uh, who was yep. the Kree warrior, but uh, uh, she's been Captain Marvel since 19, I want to say 68. And in one iteration or another, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, whatever she's been, she's been the character since like the late 60s, early 70s. And of course, I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure we talked about it, me and Ryan talked about it. But And he's talking about how, oh, she's just Captain Marvel because they're, they're uh, kowtowing to people who you know, she's not the real Captain Marvel. They're just trying to make it so, you know, females feel represented and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, yeah, actually. They're trying to make it so that women feel represented. But that's not the case. <laughs> I mean, that's not even the case. She's been around for a long fucking time. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is, is I was able to pinpoint to him that he was wrong. I was able to tell him why he's wrong. I, I talked to him about why representation matters. And I said to him, look, I said... You and I have had this privilege of being the the pasty white dudes that everybody sees in every comic book character ever invented. The default basically. demographic. We are 
the default. Captain America and Iron Man and all this shit. White guy. White guy. White guy. We've been the status quo for so many years that it's really ridiculous that you would begrudge anyone the opportunity to see themselves the way that we can see ourselves in these characters. And I don't care if that's because they're gay. I don't care if that's because they're bi, tran, whatever. People deserve to be able to see themselves in the media that they ingest and intake. And as we become more accepting as a culture, it's becoming more and more easy to accomplish. And and I don't care if we have to do it through the strain of poor agonizing white boy tears. I'm fucking here for it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And being able to tell this guy, no, you're wrong, to his face and have, and like the look on his face as he stammered and backpedaled was absolutely, oh, well, I wasn't talking about, I was just saying, no. Here's where you're mm -hmm. wrong. I know what you were saying. Yeah. I know what you were saying. Got it. It was not. If he's pissed off that that Captain Marvel's a woman, wait till he finds out about Kamala Khan. He's going to be super (laughs) salty. She's not just a woman, she's brown and a Muslim. Dear fucking God, what's this world coming to? I know, right? But, you know, that really is an excellent point. I mean, and, and if his if his major issue is that, oh, that's just the women can feel represented. Yeah, well, you know, it's not an original thought on my part at all. I've seen this sentiment echoed almost verbatim in, in, in uh, the popular culture as this shit keeps coming back up again. But when you've dominated the culture for as long as you have, anything less than, than total dominance of a space feels like oppression. Because... You know, it's, it's, it's come up in comedy, too. Like, uh, um, Bo Burnham has made this point, and Patton Oswalt has made this point. You know, oh, gosh, white guys used to fucking run 100% of everything, and now it's only 96.8, and boy, does that ever suck. Um, <laughs> you know what? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You need to shut the fuck up. Just because every single pop culture figure is not a white dude like you that doesn't mean things are going to hell. That just means other people who don't look like you. And, yeah, maybe there's a lot of white dudes around. And because you know, white dudes have for so long kind of run creation, whether it's movies or music or comics or whatever, uh, white dudes have been overrepresented because that's been who is creating the shit. So that's who gets to put themselves forward because it's what they most closely identify with. But as we start to understand, hey, there's no egalitarianism in entertainment. We need to get this shit not so lopsided anymore. We start to bring in more creators of color, more creators of, of different gender identities, more creation, more creators of, of, of different uh, sexual orientations, and, and, and just all of that stuff. We start to see more of this representation, and everybody, no matter what flavor of humanity you belong to, no matter what labels you choose to identify yourself with, no matter how you are as a person, you deserve to see yourself on screen, Absolutely. on page, in a game. You deserve to have somebody that... A, a friend of mine uh, just put up a... Uh, a TikTok the other day of um, a, a little girl, a, a little black girl at, at, at a theme park. And it was, uh, and she was standing there. Uh, 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 you didn't really see the girl. You saw, you know, the, the back of her and she's got, you know, beautiful black ringlets and, and she's sitting in front of these three actresses who are playing, um, you know, fully decked out Dora Milaje warriors. And just the exchange she had when she saw herself represented as a beautiful woman of color, uh, a powerful figure, somebody who was on equal footing with anybody else in that particular space, that kind of shit, I mean, if you're a white dude, you take it for granted that, like you said, Iron Man's going to look like you, Captain America's going to look like you. 
these characters are going to look like you, but it, it doesn't have to always fucking be that way. Everybody deserves to see themselves. Everybody yes. deserves to project themselves, to, to identify, to feel powerful. And anybody who's going to stay, you know, we've, we've made this point before. Ever since forever, whether it's Captain Marvel being a woman since 1968, whether it's the deck of the Enterprise being multicultural since the mid-60s, Sci-fi and geekery and nerdery and fandom and all of the things that, that we, anything we talk about on this show, has always been, it's, it's, that kind of shit has always been a part of this subculture. It always has. Since it really became something that was something that anybody talked about. And we've, again, beaten this to death in any Toxic Fandom episode we've done. We've talked about it ad nauseum in any episode we've talked about. We talk about Star Trek or, or any of that shit, but... It seems really like like comics and video games and movies and superhero culture and all that shit kind of tends to be on the, the leading edge of this. I mean, even uh, Stan Lee said, you know, back when he created the X-Men, it was a Romana Clay. It was an allegory for racism. Just because these people are different doesn't mean that they're inferior. Just because they have things about them that aren't things that you have. They look differently than you. They have different experiences than you. Uh, they're different. It doesn't make them bad, and in some ways it makes them incredible. In most right. ways it makes them incredible. Uh, the, the, the ability to celebrate diversity and to look around you and think, you know, the, the strength of anything, whether it's a culture, whether it's a country, whether it's entertainment, comes from the makeup of this thing being something that isn't just a bunch of fucking white dudes all the goddamn time. It just can't... We really have to evolve on this. And, and again, we're just flogging the fuck out of this horse. And but we have to. We, we have to. We, we have, have to, to because it's not... Yeah, the message is not getting through. Every time that you have some backward dinosaur fucking bigoted asshole in a space that's supposedly... A space where everybody should feel accepted in a comic book store, in a video game store, at the Cineplex, whatever it is, and he's still out there dropping slurs and bitching about feminism. Fucking evolve. You're, it, the world has passed you by. Your mindset is obsolete. You're a goddamn dinosaur. There's no space for you. There's no space for you in fandom because fandom is always going to be at the leading edge of representing everybody. And like you said before, like, oh, this guy could probably accept uh, Frog Thor. He could probably accept Thor being whatever the fuck we ever decided Beta Ray Bill is. But a woman? Oh, that's unacceptable. God forbid. Oh, we could look at, like, a, a, a Star Trek as being full of all these alien species. Oh, but as soon as there's a trans person on the deck of the Enterprise, we can't handle that. Just get the fuck out of the way. Loosen your stranglehold on culture. Evolve in your thinking. Wake up and smell the fucking zeitgeist, dude, because, you know, you're, you've already been passed by. You just don't realize it yet. Your your manic need, as whatever the default demographic you assume yourself to be is, of holding on to whatever perceived control or power or dominance you have over the popular culture, it's gone. It's, it's already gone. You just haven't woken up and smelled it yet. So right. roll over and figure it out, because the world has passed you by. Right, and I think, and again, I don't want to hark too much on this at this point because we've talked about it to our blue in the face. And again, like I said, we're going to keep talking about it every time we need it, every time it comes up. But just in my personal life, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but just having the ability and, and, and the comfortability in my own skin and in my own fandom to be able to say, no, look, dude, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. You're demonstrably it's wrong. 
And and being able to do that, and then what was funny is, is while I was confronting this guy, Ryan goes into a closet that's in his uh, his shop, comes out with the first appearance of Captain Marvel in a comic book, brilliance, framed and boxed and 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 ready to go, and presents it to the guy like, here, look, see, she's been a thing for a long time, and. That's some straight-up Silver Age shit, motherfucker. Where have and, you been? And the fucking thing, and, and what he tried to backpedal his way into was he was talking about, oh, uh, I was mostly talking about how they made her a woman because of, like, uh, and he was talking about Shazam, the Captain Marvel from DC, equating uh. them as the same character. And it's like, no, bro, they are not the same character. They've never been the same character. They're not even the same company. They're not even the same universe. So not only was he wrong, he was just wrong. And it was just, it was so redeeming to be able to just kind of put him back in his place. And, and he kind of stammered and said a few more things and then walked away with his tail between his legs. Because then me and Ryan got into the conversation about representation and why it's so important. And uh, positive changes made through representation to characters like, uh, well, we talked about Ms. Marvel. We yeah. talked about... Uh, Iceman was one of my favorite uh, Marvel mutants. Uh, how they uh, reconned him into being gay. And how they did it so uh, wonderfully. And how they did it so poignantly. And yet people still bitched about it. And it's like, look, it's going to happen. It's it's going to be a thing. Oh, well, why can't they just make new characters instead of co-opting our old characters? It's like, bro, these are the characters that have been in the mainstream forever. These are characters that have had their day as the poster boy white people thing. The poster boy straight people thing. Let other people have something. Loosen the reins. And yes, like, yeah, we can create new characters. But if we if we use a character that already has market share and value and, and visibility, it makes it that much more poignant. The point they're trying to make. Which is, everybody matters. That's it. Yeah. That's the entire point. And, yeah. And if you're going to be somebody who's going to get your fa- your fucking panties in a tight, wet little wad over representation, well, let's just take just the MCU, for example. I mean, the MCU is in a very interesting position right now because a lot of a lot of contracts are going up. Um, a lot of characters are either dying or phasing out of viability, and they're bringing in a whole new crop of people. And like okay the and they're doing a lot of this they're making these moves in really interesting ways like at the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier um it was made very clear not just by the narrative of the actual series but also by the marketing materials that that Marvel works with that going forward guess what Captain America is going to be Sam Wilson and Sam Wilson happens to be a black dude yep. don't like it fuck you you don't have to watch everybody else will make up the slack at the Cineplex doesn't really matter um uh, you know, I think we've, we're past the moratorium on spoilers for Hawkeye now. Hawkeye came out over Christmas. Yeah. We can watch that. Yep. Um, Hawkeye had X number of episodes. At the very end of the episode, um, it, spoiler again, if you haven't seen Hawkeye, then stop listening for about 30 seconds. But mm-hmm. at the end of the final Hawkeye episode, we got Kate Bishop hanging out with Clint Barton, and she's saying, so what about Lady Hawk? What about Hawk Girl? And then he says, well, I got a better idea. How about smash cut to just Hawkeye on the screen? Which was a very subtle way of saying, hey, you're just going to be Hawkeye. You don't have to worry about gendering it. We're just going to pass the torch. And I'm getting old. My hearing doesn't work very well anymore. You're going to be Hawkeye going forward. And then, uh, I don't know, if you're a carbon-based life form that lives in the universe, you've probably seen Spider-Man Far From Home by now. 
And if you have, then you remember the exchange between, and again, spoiler alert, but uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man Peter Parker and um, Max slash Electro on the scaffolding outside of the Statue of Liberty where where Max says, you know, you're a good-looking kid from Queens. You, you help the downtrodden. I, I really figured you'd be black. Somewhere there's got to be a black Spider-Man. Half my theater, every time I saw that, gasped because we know Miles Morales is a thing they're going to be bringing into the MCU at some point. So... You know, and again, we already mentioned that Kamala Khan is the new Ms. Marvel, and she's going to be showing up in the upcoming Captain Marvel sequel, which has slowly transitioned in the creative process of just being the Marvels. And in that, okay, Captain Marvel's a woman, but hey, guess what? The other Marvels are going to be Monica Rambeau and Kamala Khan. So two women of color. So you know what? If you don't like what's happening in entertainment, then fuck you. Just straight up, fuck you. We don't need your patronage. We don't need your eyeballs. We don't need your money. Because enough people are totally on board with making entertainment, the, the MCU specifically, but also entertainment in general, a lot gayer, a lot more you know, gender diverse, a lot more colorful. And that's just the way it's going to go. Because yeah. that's the way humanity is going. And it's yeah. been the way it's going for a long time. Entertainment, art, art imitates life and life imitates art. Uh, the art is catching up to what humanity has always looked like. And again, if you don't like it, shut the fuck up and get out of the way. Well, and that's no time for you, no patience for you. That's what I told the guy too. I'm like, look, you got, you're in a place right now in this store, in this place, where everything you've loved as a kid is still readily available. No one's keeping yeah. it from you. No one's going to say you can't like what you like. And I use the example of Thundercats. We've talked about this before, too. The Thundercats yeah. uh, was something I grew up with loving, liking, being a part of my experience with fandom. Yep. This new iteration of Thundercats, I don't care about. I don't like it. I don't have to. If right. I want to go back and watch a version of the Thundercast that I like, it's all still out there. It's all still right. available for me. I can do that. If I don't like the new E-Man, into... I can right. watch That's exactly what the I'm old E-Man. You know? Oh no, it's a Masters of the Universe show. We wanted it to be about He-Man, the blonde white dude with the big muscles and the sword. But oh no, they actually had the temerity to have a couple of episodes focus on Tila. And How she's a woman. Dare and you. that and, and that made my dick fall off. So <laughs> come on. Come the fuck on. It's good entertainment. There's good storytelling happening there. And if you're going to be so Yeah, and you know what? Up until the uh, Black Panther uh, not only was nominated for a couple of Oscars, but up until the most recent Spider-Man movie, it was the highest-grossing MCU film to date. So nobody likes Heroes of Color? Fuck right off into obscurity and stay there. Right. I agree with you. I mean, it's 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 bullshit that we even have to have this conversation repetitively, repeatedly. But here we are doing it because, again, like I yep. said, it's it bears repeating. It keeps happening. And at volume. So... Our stance, again, as it always has been, is everybody matters. That's it. Right. And Whether speaking of toxic fandoms and, yeah. and how they have a tendency to manifest, something I wanted to talk about, we, we, sure. we, uh, it's sort of like a little behind-the-scenes peek into the Fuel Your Fandom machine. As things come up in the entertainment press, uh, Saint and I mail things back and forth to each other on either uh, uh, Facebook or, or text or whatever, and, and uh, there's, there's pop culture stories that come up, and I actually, maybe a couple of days ago, sent you a link to this story that was on Vulture, and still is on Vulture, okay. that just came out, this big uh, think piece about the, the legacy of Joss Whedon. 
Oh yeah. And speaking of the toxic fandoms, I mean, it's it's a it's a really good article, and you should read it. But it's also problematic, but not in context of the article. It's a well-written article, and credit where credit is due. It's an article by a, a writer named Lila Shapiro. Uh, she's at Lila Pearl, L-I-L-A-P-E-A-R-L on Twitter, and it's a really, really good article. Um, and it's all about kind of what happened to Joss Whedon as a creator in Hollywood. And sort of much like the other, um, you know, bald ginger problematic genius of Louis C.K., what happened to uh, Joss Whedon uh, was that he, it's, it's complex, and I do recommend you read the article, because it really is kind of tied up in uh, not just fandom, but hero worship and and pop culture, and it's a, it's a 20-year-long story, uh, but, but also uh, allegations of sexual abuse and sexual harassment, and just like regular old garden variety harassment. Um, yeah. But the, the, the takeaway from this article at the end of it is that Joss Whedon, Despite everything that's come out about him, whether it was Charisma Carpenter um, saying that he was toxic to work for because of the sexual harassment, whether it was other unnamed anonymous staffers who were quoted in this article who worked with him on his various shows that he ran uh, in the 90s and 2000s, uh, everything from Buffy to Firefly to to Spike and everything else, um, Angel, uh, all that shit, um, talking about how he favored certain writers over others, how he was openly having affairs with actresses and other writers, how he did things like if he didn't like your work or if you did something he didn't like, he would go out of his way to humiliate you in front of everybody. Apparently the dude was just toxic as fuck to work for. Now, much like we talked about in the episode we've done previous about how do you separate art from artist if the person that you, uh, whose whose work you enjoy turns out to be a toxic garbage person, um, does that preclude you from enjoying their work and we didn't really come up with an answer on that because there's no easy answer it's a very complex sort of thing to think about and of course that certainly applies to this situation as well because for a long time joss whedon was sort of like championed as being this this hero of feminism because he tended to work with extremely strong female characters whether it was buffy whether it was the women on firefly um he he was able to write and to create uh these characters, because people forget, this is something I didn't remember until recently when I read this article, that he was the showrunner of the Buffy the Vampire um, series with, with uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, but he also was the screenwriter uh, of the original Buffy the Vampire movie. With Christy um, Swanson. With Christy Swanson and Luke Perry. So he, he when they asked him to adapt it for television, they were actually speaking to the original creator of the character in the original intellectual property. Um, but reading this article... All these allegations of, of abuse, and also famously from Ray Fisher, after um, Joss Whedon took over reshoots on the Justice League movie after uh-huh. Zack Snyder had to drop out because of family yeah. things, and that whole thing, that's we've beaten that to death too, and it really isn't worth going over again, even if for context, but... Ray Fisher has accused him of racism, which is a very credible accusation if you read anything surrounding what happened to, to the cyborg character in that movie. Um, Gal Gadot uh, has, has repeatedly said, Joss Whedon said, hey, if you don't, you know, when they're working on the, uh, the Justice League reshoots, hey, I could, I could ruin your career in this town and you never work again. And when she said that, Joss Whedon actually had the balls to come out and say, well, you know, she misinterpreted me because, you know, English isn't her first language. Bitch, she might be Israeli, but she speaks better English than most native-born Americans do, so go fuck yourself on that. Pretty much. But the big takeaway with this article was all these allegations coming out from people like Ray Fisher and Gal Gadot and Charisma Carpenter and, and all these staffers that worked with him. And at the end of it, this supposed profile, expose, uh, whatever you want to call this article on Vulture, um, 
you know, it's called uh, The Undoing of Joss Whedon. Uh, the, the subtitle, The Buffy Creator, Once an Icon of Hollywood Feminism, is now an outcast accused of misogyny. How did he get here? Joss Whedon, at the end of it, says, I think maybe my biggest transgression in all of this was just being too nice. I'm oh, about the nicest showrunner sake. there ever was. I really wish I was fucking making that up. But I'm going to actually scroll. I got this article up in front of me on the screen. I'm going to scroll to the bottom of it. And the the final... Uh, again, spoiler alert, if you want to read this, you're not going to lose anything by, by hearing the wrap-up on it. It still is worth reading. But the final paragraph of this article, and I'm quoting here, says, Nobody ever fell from a pedestal into anything but a pit, Whedon told me on a call one day. A few months had passed since our first conversations at his home. In that time, he'd finally made peace with himself. He said, Could I have done marriage better? Don't get me started. Could I have been a better showrunner? Absolutely. Should I have been nicer? He considered the question. Perhaps he should have been calmer and more direct, he realizes, but that would not have compromised the work. Maybe the problem was he'd been too nice, he said. He wanted people to love him, which meant when he was direct, people thought he was harsh. In any case, he had decided he was done worrying about all that. People have been using every weaponizable word of the modern era to make it seem like I was an abusive monster, he said. I think I'm one of the nicer showrunners that's ever been. So for him to sit there and look at all these accusations of all these credible people to say, oh, maybe I was too nice because I wanted people to like me, so maybe when I was direct people thought I was harsh, what a fucking white guy, mediocre, pussy-ass fucking cop-out that is. Yeah. Maybe I'm one of the nicer showrunners it's ever been. But over the course of this article, this How whole attitude is informed by be? the fact... How blind right, and it's be. tied up in the fact that, that they talk about how back in the day when the internet cultures around fandom first started springing up, Joss Whedon used to post on fan boards. He used to go to fan events and mingle with fans, and he used to do all this shit. So the, the, there, there sprung up this cult of personality around him as a creator where because, and I understand this, because people had, had been able to interact with him on a personal level, whether digitally or in person, um, they started to realize, hey, he's the ascended nerd like us. He just got lucky, and he's in a position where he can make things happen in the world of entertainment that are essentially by us and for us. Right. So we're going to sort of worship at the altar of this guy, and regardless of what he does, we're just going to give him chance after chance after chance because we identify with him because he's one of us. But at the end of this article for him saying, you know, maybe I was just too nice... Uh, you're you're missing the point harder than anybody has ever missed the point, you yeah. piece of shit. And yeah. even if I was willing to read this article and think, okay, maybe if he's contrite, maybe if he's come to this expose to say, you know what, it was a different time, uh, via the perspectives of the current zeitgeist, I'm looking back on this and realizing I pulled a whole bunch of shit I really shouldn't have, and... I think going better, going forward, I'll be better because I know what I did wrong. Um, and if I could just, you know, I'm going to start with smaller projects and try and earn my way back in. That's how you do this shit. That is, whether it's disingenuous or not, whether it's it's actually meant or not, this is the way that you do this. Once you've fallen from grace because you're a fuck up and a garbage person, you kind of have to suck it up and own it and say, look, I fucked up. Anybody that's done that, has been welcomed back, if not with open arms, at least with, okay, well, you better be on your best behavior this time. But well, then you've got pieces of shit like... Because you're doing the work. Right. 
That's what, you know, that's what James Gunn did. And we've talked about him before. He looked back on the old tweets that he got raked over the coals for when they came out and said, you know, I was trying to be an edgy, funny, comedy, entertainment person back in the day. I went too far. I said some hurtful shit. I apologize to anybody that I have hurt or wounded over my career. I promised to do better going forward. And then he did. And that's why he got welcomed back. Because he looked back, realized the mistake, owned the mistake, apologized for the mistake, and then, and this is fucking key, amended his behavior going forward. And that's why he's able to do the Peacemaker series. That's why he's able to work on the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie, because he realized his mistakes, admitted them, apologized, and owned his behavior, and then changed going forward. Meanwhile, you got pieces of shit like Mel fucking Gibson, who will never be welcomed back into Hollywood with open arms. Not in my opinion. I don't care how many times, you know, because he, he... You can tell based on somebody's attitude overall... If they really are rolling their eyes at this, oh, I got to do an apology tour now, they don't think they did anything wrong. They think other people are just butthurt and too sensitive, and they need to suck it up and and manage their their feelings better. And oh, I'm just too blunt. Like fucking Joss Whedon just said in this article, oh, I was just too blunt. People don't like that. No, you're a toxic, you're abusive, a misogynist asshole. Yeah, you were a fucking dickhole, and not just a dickhole, but like a syphilitic fucking, you know. Diseased dickhole. So <laughs> that's what the reality is of your situation. And, and until, unless and until you can realize that what you did was shitty and awful and that you hurt people and really take a hard look at yourself and realize why it was wrong, I hope you stay in exile. I hope you stay on your fucking island and that nobody ever wants to work with you again. He very famously, once all this shit started to come out a year or two ago, got pulled off. They they, they basically Alan Smithied his ass and scrubbed his involvement, his name, and any publicity from The Nevers, uh, which was otherwise like a pretty good series about... Um, a Victorian era, like superpowered women, and it, it could have done really, really good things for the genre, but you know, Joss Whedon was involved with it, and so when all this shit started coming out, they just whitewashed all of it and and bleached his name off of everything, and that was the last high file pro- high profile project he's been involved with, and that was maybe a year and a half, two years ago. So he really thought, he really fucking thought, in his, and again, I can't believe I'm saying this about somebody who's such a has got such a track record of, of creating good entertainment. But for this piece of shit, this mediocre white guy piece of shit, to not be able to objectively step back and look at what he did wrong and realize, oh God, I hurt a lot of people. I I engaged in affairs that I really shouldn't have. I exploited my power dynamic, made people feel like shit, abused other people. For him to not have the emotional distance and the clarity to be able to see that, but for him at the end of this article, after all has been said and done, after he gave all the interviews, for a, a posthumous post-mortem sort of wrap-up phone call with the writer of this article, for his final thought on this to be, maybe I was just too nice and people hate me because I'm so blunt, I'm one of the nicer showrunners that's ever been, I'm done with you forever. I'm done with you forever, you piece of shit. I don't care if you never work again. Yeah, I hope you invested well, because, you know... Live in your gilded cage. I don't ever, ever want to watch anything you do again. Unless and until you're able to genuinely come out and say, I fucked up, I'm sorry, I'll do better. And it seems like that's not going to be coming. Because you don't get it. You yeah, don't he, get it. He just and doesn't no see. no indication that you're going to get it. He, he's so blind to the fact that he is this abuser. That he is this toxic kind of presence. That he thinks that his former goodwill with all these people is going to carry him right. through. And it's like, no bro, we see past it. And, and, if and, you hurt somebody and they tell you you hurt them, you don't get to decide you didn't. Right. Right. You're exactly right. And, and I, I just, it's disgusting. And like I said, I think I'm the only word you. for it. 
I think I'm with you. It's like if he's able to make the change, then maybe we'll welcome him back. But at this point, I mean, it seems like it's not likely. He's basically saying no. Everybody that else is the problem. Is I was too blunt. I was nice. Yeah, everybody else is the problem. It's not me. It's just people's reaction to me. I'm not responsible for managing somebody else's feelings. No, maybe not. Maybe not. But still, there, there's a way to do things. There's a way to carry yourself through the world. There's really two ways to do it. You can go through being an exploiting, power-abusing, toxic, tactless asshole who just says and does anything you want as long as it serves your interests and your agenda, or you can treat other people with respect. That's just a, such a fucking easy thing to do. It's just such treat a low people bar. with respect. It's such a low it bar. It really is. Yeah. Until they prove they don't deserve it, like if you're fucking Joss Whedon, if you go bend over backwards to prove you don't deserve respect, just treat people with respect. Don't you just start from a baseline of you're a human being and deserve dignity, and then operate from there. You, just be honest, be truthful, be respectful. It ain't that fucking hard. It really isn't. No. You're right. The bar is so low that you kind of have to like, you know, call the diggers hotline to make sure you're not cutting into fucking cables when you go to look for it. <laughs> Well, now like, it doesn't have with, to be like that. Yeah, same with last episode. We don't want to necessarily just focus on the negative, and we, we, right. we're going to do a little bit more bouncing between topics during this new season, I think, because to have a whole solid episode for one topic, it's going to have to be a big topic. And like I said, we've treaded this water numerous times, and it's like, let's talk about something else for a bit. Let's talk yeah, about please. now. Here's kind of like, and it's my segue skills are atrocious. Uh, we've had a lot of time off, and I'm just, I'm getting back into the swing of things. But here's the thing: we're both a little bit rusty, as it were. A little bit rusty. Uh, <coughs> uh, what was it? Uh, we we both went and saw. We talked about Spider-Man. We've seen it a few times. Uh, I've seen it yep. twice in the theater. You saw it three times. Here's the thing. Yep, yep. How in the hell? Are there still people in this world who go to see Marvel movies who don't sit through the credits? I want to scream at these people. Where are you going? There's still more. And I don't. You bought the ticket. You know how this works. What the fuck is wrong? Okay. You're going to miss actually shit. Right. I saw somebody talk about this on Facebook. One of my friends put up a pretty much exactly that same sentiment. Look, we're, we're 12 years deep into the MCU now. Why are people still leaving during the credits? And somebody on in the thread said, Hey, look, okay, um, I'm a tiny lady. I've had two kids. My bladder is the size of a thimble and it leaks. I had the giant soda. I had to get up and pee. I'll give you uh, that. I did come back in the theater and I watched from the, the aisles. But also, like, if I don't, if I have to get up and I gotta go out and I gotta pee, you know this shit's gonna hit YouTube in a couple of days. You know there's gonna be articles on every entertainment site from the lowliest blog up through, like, Entertainment Weekly and, and comic book uh, blogs and all that shit where they're gonna post uh, YouTube links because Marvel knows what side their bread's buttered on. Marvel knows that even though it's been 12 years deep now that people understand that a lot of people don't understand that they're going to Ferris Bueller this shit, Scooby-Doo this shit, Ferris Bueller this shit, and uh, and people are going to leave before they get a chance to see the the end credits. Um, so they put them on YouTube. Uh, you're going to have to pay the money to take the ride to see the movie, but they do put shit up on, uh, on YouTube. But the other thing that, you know, that kind of ties into that is, and again, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Eternals, and Eternals wasn't awesome, but you know it was still an MCU movie. And I watched it again uh, by, the other by day. movie standards. It wasn't bad. Yeah, but 
It's just by different. movie standards, it was fine. We're just—it's kind of like we talked about this before. Like, by movie standards, Cars Two is a fine movie. By Pixar standards, which they've established themselves, not so great. Same thing with the Eternals. We've just come to expect such a high standard of quality from Marvel that when the Eternals less than blows everybody away, they—they they decide to Rotten Tomatoes thumbs down it and go, and eh, not a great movie. But there were a lot of people that didn't stick around for the end credits uh, sequence of of, uh, of the Eternals. So they don't know. Again, spoiler alert, hit that 30-second skip button if you haven't seen The Eternals and didn't watch the end credit sequence. But Harry Styles of One Direction is now part of the MCU um, as Thanos' brother. Um, so that's a thing that happened. And I forget the name of the character now because I, I never read any of the comics that actually had him in it. Pause for clarification. Look that shit up. You just said it. Uh, Eros Starfox. And I guess it threw me because Star Fox, when I think of Star Fox, I think of the Nintendo 64 game. Do a barrel roll! But uh, yeah, Aero Star Fox, Thanos' brother, uh, is, uh, and I guess to some degree, then probably also uh, Gamora and Nebula's uncle, if you want to really break down the crazy backward ass family tree of the MCU, um, <laughs> is, uh, is now in the MCU as, as, uh, as that character. And um, Pat Oswalt as his, uh, his, his gnome familiar troll Pip, character. Pip the troll. Yeah. So. Yeah, that should be interesting too. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, getting back to the central point before I once again sort of like do did what we do and marched off into a ridiculous tangent. Uh, <laughs> the end credit sequences, uh, since the very first MCU film, since even before really MCU canon, um, at the end of the uh, the Ed Norton Hulk movie, we had a Nick Fury uh, Avengers foreshadowing scene. So this shit's been going on for a very, very fucking long time. If we count, as most sources do, including Disney slash Marvel themselves, the first Iron Man movie as being like the first official film of the MCU, we still had an end credit sequence in the Ed Norton Hulk. So Marvel has been doing this for God knows how many years now, at least 10 or 12 years. So for people to get up and leave... I I don't give a shit. Like, I do the same thing. I, I get the giant Coke Zero, the, the 324-ounce, you know, you could draw a toddler in a cup to go with my giant fucking popcorn when I watch an MCU film, when I watch any movie, really, but especially those. Um, so by the end of it, uh, I'm getting old, too, and my bladder is screaming at me to get up <laughs> and get rid of all that soda. But I'm not going to miss the end credit sequence because so many times, that's that's the reason you go to the movie. Um you know, it's like throwing away the middle bite of the cinnamon roll. The reason you bought the cinnamon roll <laughs> if you don't hang out for the end credits. I agree. Yeah, that's a good way to equate it too. It's 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 foreshadowing. It it, it lends, uh, shines a light on, on shit that happened during the movie you just watched. It lets you know what's coming from the next movie or the next couple of movies. And in the case of Spider Man, uh, we had two end credit sequences, um, obviously, and the second one is the one that uh, most people kind of talked about because it wasn't really an end credit sequence so much as it was the premiere of the Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness trailer, of which there has been wild speculation the and last couple be. of days again yeah. because there has been a, uh, a screenshot that's been going around. Um, a grainy sort of like somebody said they took this uh, in in a screening, which I can't believe because if, if, if people if, if Marvel's doing early screenings of uh, of early cuts of, of, of Multiverse of Madness and they're letting anybody anywhere near that theater with any device that can capture images, then they're not Marvel. So I I, I don't think this is necessarily real, but um, there was a a grainy uh, look like a cell phone shot of what was purported to be the end credits. Of the Multiverse of Madness, and I'm going to take a second here. I got to look this up. Okay, so this is uh, the photo that was circulated, and I'm actually digging this up on Giant Freaking Robot, which is, 
you know, they have a lot of speculative stuff on there, but sometimes their shit turns out to be accurate. But somebody has posted this um, supposed shot of the credits of Multiverse of Madness. And madness, in this case, is the operative term. Because um, if we went to a place in Spider-Man Far From Home where we're pulling in Spider-Man from existing other iterations of the franchise right. as a way of saying, hey, we've introduced the concept of the multiverse in Loki with Doctor Strange in Spider-Man. All possible realities apparently exist if you look at any other older iterations of Marvel films. But I'm going to not read this in total. I'm going to hit some of the high points. The, the shot that I'm looking at, it looks like it could be... It, it's grainy. It looks like it was taken from a distance. But it is legible. And it's supposedly the end credits from an early screening of Doctor Strange 2 uh, Multiverse of Madness. And it lists Doctor Strange slash Strange Supreme slash Defender Strange, of course, Benedict Cumberbatch. Because we've already seen in the trailer other universe iterations of the character. Right. It's like, well, they all have goatees. You can't tell who's the evil twin. But, yeah, there's other less virtuous versions of Doctor Strange. And that's not a secret because we've seen that in the trailer. Next thing we saw in the trailer, Wanda Maximoff slash Scarlet Witch. Elizabeth Olsen, great. Marvel's starting to tie together the big and small screens. They actually are referencing the events of uh, the WandaVision series in the new Doctor Strange film. And of course, we've got Benedict Wong as Wong uh, and uh, Chiwetelegi for as, as Carl Mordo. Um, but then we've got Doctor Stephen Strange, another Doctor Stephen Strange in the credits, um, as Peter Hooten. And then another Wong as an actor named uh, Clyde Kusatsu. Uh, and then Rachel McAdams comes back as Christine Palmer from the first Doctor Strange film. And that's after that where things start to get interesting. Because underneath that, we have Matt Murdock slash Daredevil, Ben Affleck. <laughs> Under that, Hyperion, Henry Cavill. Hyperion. Reed Richards. Oh. Yoan Griffith. Sue Storm, Jessica Alba, Johnny Storm, Chris Evans, Logan slash Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, X-23, Rowan Blanchard, Jean Grey, Sophie Turner, Magneto, Ian McKellen, Professor Charles Xavier, Patrick Stewart, Charles Xavier, James McAvoy, Raven slash Mystique, Jennifer Lawrence, Emma Frost, January Jones, Hank slash Beast, Nicholas Holt, Storm, Halle Berry, uh, and it just kind of goes on from there. Peter Maximoff slash Quicksilver slash Ralph Bonner, Evan Peters, just under that, Pietro Maximoff, Aaron Taylor Johnson. So if they're going this fucking ham on it, uh, Darcy Lewis, Kat Dennings, uh, Jimmy Woo, Randall Park, uh, Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, Tiana Paris, and that's telling because she's not uh, listed as any other character besides Monica Rambeau slash Captain Marvel, uh, Agnes slash Agatha Harkness, Catherine Hahn, Vision, Paul Bettany, um... Billy and Tommy Maximoff as Julian Hilliard and Jack Klein, the actors that played them in the WandaVision series. Uh, Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, Tom Holland, Gwen Stacy, Sabrina Carpenter, Spider-Gwen, Dove Cameron, who voiced her in the uh, Into the Spider-Verse animated film. Right. And under that, we've also got probably the most interesting couple of uh, lists here towards the end of it. Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. Peter Parker slash Spider-Man, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Tony Stark slash Iron Man, Tom Cruise. I heard about Hulk that Ed Norton, Hulk Lou Ferrigno, and Blade Mahershala Ali. Now we know that Mahershala Ali is playing Blade in the upcoming iteration of Blade. Um, so it seems like this is just weird enough that if they're making it up, they would have gone a different direction and put in Wesley Snipes. But because like Tom Cruise was rumored to be have to have been offered the role of Tony Stark Iron Man before Robert Downey snapped it up and, and made it the iconic role it is. 
it just seems like this this could be weird, like boss logic level sort of like fan speculation. But, but it could be real. It also might not be. And as we've talked about before, we've be, again this is another horse we've beaten to fucking death. If it wasn't dead already. <laughs> any rumor or any weird leak that comes out of the MCU is is like Schrodinger's spoiler. You kind of have to treat it with kid gloves because it could be real. It could be fake. You don't know until it happens. Right. And we talked about that. Whether it's Don Cheadle and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Uh, doing the press junket where Ruffalo's like half of everybody dies and Don Cheetah goes, dude, and you think it's a bit or, you know, whether it's uh, uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield denying until they're blue in the face that they're going to be in the Spider-Man film and of course they showed up. Anything could be real until it's proven that it isn't. And the way things have been going lately in the MCU, if they're going to do a movie called Multiverse of Madness, it makes sense that they'd pull in all these other characters. And again, like as we've established, I think it was uh, was it the first Ant Man film where they de-aged Michael Douglas to be able to have him play the younger version of himself as Hank Pym, and they also de-aged Alfred Molina to be able to play the the uh, about fifteen years ago version of Doctor Octopus in the Spider Man film. They could de-age uh, fucking Hugh Jackman and make him be Wolverine again. I mean, he he, he died as Old Man Logan in the last film, but again, the the craziness. Of this is because of what Marvel's been doing, both on TV and in the movies, slowly introducing crazier and crazier plot lines that, and introducing the idea of the multiverse with Loki, really driving it home with with Far From Home. Um, it stands to reason that if they want to continue this sort of like anything can happen, anybody can come back, all possible realities are valid within this timeline uh, because it's all over the place. All of this shit could be perfectly valid. And how mm-hmm. fucking funny would it be to see Chris Evans show up again in an MCU film, but as Johnny Storm. Now, markedly, this does not actually have Michael Chiklis listed in the credits as being Ben Grimm slash The Thing. So, we don't really know. whoever. Maybe that's an oversight of whoever put this together. If this is real, maybe they didn't ask him back for the movie. Again, because we have to treat all this shit with a grain of salt, because it happens so often and because the leaks are so prevalent, we just don't fucking know. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know anything until it happens. I but saw... if this turns out to be real, Jesus Christ, will this, will, will, will Far From Oh, I heard the other two Spider-Men are going to show up in Far From Home. And then they do. Oh, I heard anybody who's ever played a character in any iteration of any Marvel film going back 20 years has the potential to show up and play opposite Benedict Cumberbatch in Multiverse of Madness. And even if they don't that's play, just all they have to do is show face on screen, and that might be enough to get right. in the credits. So, I mean... Right. Uh, you could shatter a mirror and show like these fragments flying off into space of, oh, there's Owen Gruffell, or and there's Jessica Alba, or there's you know, McAvoy, and there's Patrick Stewart. I mean, all you have to do is show their face and they get a credit. And if so that could be just up, as simple as that. If they were making shit up, they would have put Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool on this list, too. So, you know... Again, grain of salt the size of a canned ham, size of a baby's closed fist, whatever. Uh, great. But if this turns out to be real... Jesus Christ is, you know, Marvel hasn't been fucking around for a long time. Right. But this would be a whole new level of not fucking around that I don't think anybody's prepared for. And, and just on, kind of on a similar vein, uh, with that uh, new uh, Moon Knight trailer, and it's something I didn't yes. pick up. I had to see uh, a screen cap that someone grabbed from it, and I, I still haven't checked the veracity of it, but there's a screen grab going around the internet that shows behind Mark Spector's head in like a vehicle he's driving or whatnot, you can see a crate with a logo on it. And if you look at the logo, it says Von Doom. 
which is anyone oh, who knows boy. anything about Marvel, Victor Von Doom is a key character in the Fantastic Four and associated other things. And uh, it's Doctor Doom, a very, yeah. very major character who they've been teasing forever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this could literally go so many different directions. And, and, and people who just don't sit through the credits just drive me crazy. Like, I mean, you miss so freaking much. You miss so much. You really do. And, if you're uh, a Marvel fan at all, and you're, you're enough to the point where you're actually putting on pants, leaving the house, and buying a ticket to go see a Marvel film, and you don't stick around for the credits, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, I don't know what to do with you. I really don't. You might as well just take your pants back off. You don't deserve to be wearing pants. I mean, where do you get home? But, you know, yeah. You don't deserve to be leaving the house and wearing pants. If you're going to risk getting COVID, putting on pants, go to the, and paying, you know, exorbitant movie theater fees to see a film, and then you leave before what's not necessarily the best part, but still the punchline. One line. of the most talked about uh, you know, parts. Yeah. The thing yeah. that lets you know what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, you definitely sold yourself short. You played yourself, yeah. sucker. Emotional damage. So, <sighs> that's our take on that. Uh, like I said, we're kind of trying to keep it a, a little bit light towards the end. We got a little heavy in the middle, as we tend to do when, when heavy-ass topics mm -hmm. present themselves. Hey, I've been heavy in the middle for a long, long time, buddy. Same. But uh, let us know what you think, either about, uh, once again, Toxic Fandom and what, what you feel on that and... Uh, uh, how you maybe tell us how you've confronted toxic fandom in your communities. I would love to hear how you deal with this situation because uh, I always love to get new ammunition for my cannons too, man. Because if I'm going to go out yeah. firing, I want to full guns blazing this shit. So let us know. How are you think. challenging bigotry? How are you challenging hatred? How are you taking people to the hole who express bigotry, hate, hatred, backward thinking? Um, prejudice any of that shit any of that stuff there's no more room for in the culture right. how are you challenging the people in your life or even strangers in public when they spew toxic venomous shit out of their stupid faces about people of color people of divergent gender or sexual orientations right. um how do you deal with that and if you're not dealing with it maybe you can use me as an example of of, of maybe trying to take the bull by the horns at this point because like i said i'm not usually the kind of guy that does that kind of thing but I, i'm turning into that guy i'm turning into this yeah. Uh, this representation Hulk, if you will, because that stuff triggers my transformation and it gets me fired. Hulk! Smash! And, and, and let me know how you're dealing with that. Also, let me know uh, how you feel about the Marvel stingers and things like that, because now Marvel's not the only ones doing that. Even the Peacemaker yeah. show on HBO Max is doing that too, where they got the stingers. And I, I kind of silently kicked myself. We watched the last episode as of recording... Uh, last night we watched an episode and I didn't stick around for the spoiler because we had stuff going on. Or for the stinger. And and so now I'm like, oh, we got to watch the credits again after we get done I mean, filming. The fact, that we, the, the fact that Peacemaker even survived was a stinger in the Justice League movie, which is a DCU film. Right. DCEU film. It's happening all over the place. It's become synonymous with culture and with the nerd culture in particular that you don't leave a theater until the lights come up. You know what I mean? And so let us know yeah. uh, your thoughts on that. Uh, what's your favorite uh, Marvel stinger? Tell us which one got you the most excited for the next project. Well said, true believer. Let us know. Uh, you can hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fuelyourfandom. Hit us up in our Gmail, uh, fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. 
Backup Gmail, FYFTalentBooking at gmail.com. On Twitter at Fuel underscore you're On Instagram at, at @fuelyourfandom, And we're still taking donations for the Fuel the Future charity to get comics into the hands of underprivileged kids. Yes, we at are. At PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo at, at @fuelyourfandom, all three places. And of course, if you want to listen to us, you can always find us at your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Audible. We're on Spotify. We're on all the great places. But if you're impatient like I am, you can always hit the latest and greatest episode up at Fuel Your fandom.buzzsprout.com where my lovely cohort saint uploads the latest and greatest and freshest and foxiest episode uh usually every friday morning um whenever he gets around to it so yeah <laughs> head there if you're impatient like me um but uh however you get us into your ear holes we like being in your ears because it's nice and soft in there exactly that and so uh like i said contact us let us know what you think uh once again this is not meant to be a single line of communication we want to hear from you our fans and our listeners, uh, because your voice is important in the community as well. So let us know. And as always, please do remember what we always try to remind you. Everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care.